Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us. We have about one more hour to go before we hand the baton off to the Kyle Bailey Show. I did want to acknowledge a statement released by the Carolina Panthers about 10 minutes ago, and it is about the passing of previous Carolina Panthers owner Jerry Richardson. They released it on their Twitter handle, at Panthers. If you want to check them out on that social media website, we are saddened to hear about the passing of former owner Jerry Richardson. They would also, a couple of minutes later, release a statement by the Teppers that said this, quote, Jerry Richardson's contributions to professional football in the Carolinas are historic. With the arrival of the Panthers in 1995, he changed the the landscape of sports in the region and gave the NFL fans here a team to call their own. He was incredibly gracious to me when I purchased the team, and for that, I am thankful. Nicole and I extend and our deepest condolences to Rosalind, the entire Richardson family, and their loved ones. We wish them much peace and comfort. We're going to go to Mike Jeminski in just a moment. I did want to acknowledge how we're going to gather some thoughts. We'll talk about that in the next segment. A legacy to discuss, certainly, with Jerry Richardson and his passing at the age of 86. And so we will come back at 2.20 and discuss more again about the previous Panthers owner, Jerry Richardson, passing away last night and the Carolina Panthers and the Teppers just releasing a couple of those statements a little while ago. We are going to transition into talking about some college basketball. We just did the ACC blind resume to figure out who is going to win player of the year. Pittsburgh lost last night. It's been an unpredictable season. Mike Jeminski, a Duke legend and current color analyst for Bally Sports, now joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Mike, we appreciate the time, and I'll ask you a question to lead us off here, something we were discussing earlier. Just how unpredictable has this season been compared to other ACC years that we've had in years past? Well, it's been crazy, and uh, thank you all for the opportunity for a diversion. I'm I'm vacationing up in Syracuse this week. Um, (laughs) I did uh, did their uh, Georgia Tech game, and and I stayed up here. I've got their uh, Wake Forest game on Saturday, so uh, I I left my cabana down by the pool to come up and do this. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate that, man. A hundred percent. Like, I know Syracuse is beautiful this time of year, but I appreciate you working on vacation. And, you know, to your question, I mean, you know, this was Miami's regular season to win, and then Florida State beats them with a half-court shot from Cleveland. And then it was Pitt's regular season to win. And, you know, I kind of get uh, last night as emotional as that was for, you know, all of his players and for Mike Bray, his last home game. Um, The game must have took forever because there were 60-plus free throws shot that game. But, um, you know, just just crazy stuff and uh, still a lot of movement up and down, um, up and down the, 
you know, the league and the standings right now going into the ACC tournament. Well, and Mike, we've had a lot of conversation. Just how good is the ACC this year? Because now you have ACC figureheads defending the conference and a bunch of listeners are defending it. National pundits are saying that the ACC is way down. And I wanted to ask you about Jeff Capel's comments where he said he was watching the ACC network. And one of the questions was just how disappointing or just how down is the conference this year? And he was saying how he doesn't see that type of question on the Big Ten network when he watches it. Just how should we evaluate the Atlantic Coast Conference in 2022 and 2023? And are you understanding of Jeff Capel's comments? Yeah, I am. And, uh, you know, to an extent, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an employee of the league per se. Um, and you want, and you want to have your pom poms out, but people aren't stupid and you have to be honest and, and give your honest opinion on things. Now, I, you know, I will say from, and this is historically speaking, from a national standpoint, if both Duke and Carolina are having quote unquote down years, the perception of the league is down. I mean, that's, that's just life in college basketball nationally. And, you know, the fact is within the conference, I, I think, you know, Jeff was speaking, you know, there are no gimmies and his, you know, he starts out one and three with his team and they came on and nobody saw them where they are right now at the beginning of the year. And I think, you know, from game to game in conference, it's, you know, it's, it's a fight. I mean, Syracuse saw that with Georgia Tech the other night. Um, you know, there are teams that are getting better. So, Nationally, I, I don't think it, you know, historically it's where it's been. Um, you know, I, I think the Power Five conferences is probably fifth right now. Um, and, you know, as far as getting teams in the tournament, I think there are three locks with Virginia and Miami and Duke. And But there are, you know, Team Pitt's got work to do. Certainly that loss against Notre Dame didn't help their cause. You know, the Wolfpack. Probably in, um, I would think, need a win in their first round of the ACC tournament to really lock that up. You know, Carolina and Clemson have some work to do. So, uh, you know, I think things will get figured out certainly next week up in, up in Greensboro. But, yeah, I mean, I would, you know, I would, I would say the conference top to bottom nationally is not as strong as it's had been. Mike, Wes Bryant here, and yeah. what what has been your take of just what's happened in the last week, whether you talk about uh, Carolina beating Virginia, Clemson blowing out NC State, uh, you saw last night Notre Dame beating Pitt, and then Florida State's shocking comeback against Miami. I mean, it's just been crazy. We've been calling in an alternate universe, so to speak, but what's your hmm. take on what's happened at the top of the league in the last week and a half? Well, it's the reason why I don't gamble. Um, I, I think you could look at any one of those games that you saw, take a look at the line and say, all right, I got a pretty good feel how this one's going to go. And, uh, uh, then it goes the other way. Um, you know, I, I just probably the one that was most, um, surprising to me was Miami's loss to Florida state being up 26 at home where they'd been undefeated. Um, you know, that one is, that one's kind of, that one was really shocking, especially they had two games left at home. They had the regular season in their hands and, you know, they still, they're still, you know, the game Saturday is going to decide everything. Um, so they got lucky that way with Pitt, um, you know, getting nicked by Notre Dame. But, uh, you know, I, again, I think there, it, it illustrates that 
there was no dominant team this year. And given, you know, uh, given a great shooting performance, you know, Clemson, that was as dominating. I thought that Clemson-NC State game was going to be great. I was looking going into that, you know, from a broadcasting standpoint, say we're going to have a really good show. And Clemson just, you know, they just took that game by the throat, did the jump ball, and never looked back. Um, and I, I know that was a disappointing finish for, you know, for Kevin Keats at home. And then, Mike, so we did a, a, a blind resume game here on the show, just a little bit of go, where I just read out six guys' resumes, and we had to pick who we thought was the player of the year just off of that. Walker chose Jarkel Joyner. Fitty picked Jamarius Burton of Pitt. What do you think of those two guys as player of the year, and do you have a guy that you have pinpointed at this point? Because this has been as hard to pick as anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree as far as the difficulty. I think that there were, you know, if, if you had asked me a month or so ago, I would say Hunter Tyson was a lock. And, you know, he's had a, a stretch where he hasn't played as well. And I think all of the guys, Terquavian Smith, I think, was, you know, at some point a lock. And, and uh, But Joyner has been the best player on that team in the last month or so. And, you know, for the voters, the, you know, how they finish, and where the teams land in the standings factor in. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I would guess that Baycott would probably win it, just trying to guess where the voters are going. You know, I think Appleby is having a historic year. Uh, nobody's ever led the conference in scoring and assists. Um, and I think that you have to recognize that. And, um, you know, the, the two guys that you mentioned, you know, in the last, month or so has Joyner been the best player in the conference you could make that argument for sure but I think over the course of the season um that Appleby and this would be the second consecutive portal guy that uh, Steve Forrest has gotten that would win player of the year but um I you know I to me I would I would probably vote for him it's Mike Jaminski on the Body Works Plus guest hotline joining us to talk some ACC basketball. Mike, I want to talk about your alma mater and the Duke Blue Devils, 22-8 and eight right now. They are towards the top five. They are in the top five of the uh, of the conference in the standings, and they have North Carolina next to finish out the regular season. And here's John Shire boasting an undefeated home record in his first year ever as Duke's head coach. What do you make of the season they've had, especially here recently going on this five-game winning streak? Well, I, you know, I, I think things would have been uh, better for them had Lively and Whitehead been healthy right from the start. Um, that, I think, slowed things down, although I think that probably gave Filipowski uh, a chance to shine and to really blossom. Um, you know, I think that their backcourt has really been a big part of this resurgence with both Roach and Proctor. Um, they're going to be big factors going forward. And, you know, this, this team's strength has been their front line all year long, but I think their backcourt is going to be, uh, you know, the reason why they, if they continue to get better and continue to win. What do you think of North Carolina's tournament chances as it stands right now, still needing to do some work, especially against Duke and at the beginning of the ACC tournament? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, again, I, I mean, I don't want to revisit a storyline again and again, but I think it just speaks to how important Manic was to what they did last year. Um, they haven't had that guy get hot, and they are certainly are not 
peaking or growing as they did at this time last year going into the tournament. So, they, you know, they're, they're a big question mark. Um, you know, Pete Nance had a terrible game over in, over in Durham, and uh, he's going to have to play and continue to play well. You know, Baycott's been steady, but, they, you know, he had a quiet double-double in that first game. But again, the backcourt of um, of Love and R.J. Davis, um, you know, and, and Love has he's been so streaky. I know he's mixed, he's made some big shots in his career for sure, but the two of them have to get on a roll for things to really improve for North Carolina. Mike, who's the team that you see? We've seen Boston College really call in some damage the last couple of weeks with them beating Wake and them beating Virginia. Who's a team that's a sleeper going into the ACC tournament that could make? a deep run. Yeah. I mean, BC with, uh, you talk about what ifs, if Quentin post had been healthy from them from the start, we probably be talking about them as a tournament team. Um, they've been very tough down the stretch and they're going to be dangerous. Um, coming out of Tuesday, uh, you know, I would expect them to get that win. Actually, they, they have a chance, um, to, to go past, uh, Syracuse. If Syracuse loses to wake, and BC wins, you know, BC moves to Wednesday, Syracuse slips to Tuesday. So, um, that's, that's still in play. Um, uh, and I would say, you know, Georgia tech, from what I saw the other night, uh, they've gone small. Um, Davon Franklin has been playing out of his mind and they, you know, they made 17, 18 threes in that game. So, you know, if they're shooting um, and continue to shoot that way, they are going to be a real problem in the tournament as well. All right. Spe- uh, speaking of Boston College, Ashton Langford hitting that shot to beat Wake Forest was sensational. Got me thinking, Mike, what is your favorite shot that you ever hit in your collegiate or NBA career? Doesn't matter. Pick anyone. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, it wasn't a it wasn't a game winner, but I hit. Uh, I, I actually, I converted a lob at the end of a game against the 86 Celtics to give me 41 points for the game. Uh, it's my career high. And I really, I was at 39 and I really wanted 40. So, and, and we actually, we won the game too. So, you know, that made it uh, even sweeter. Um, and I would, I would say, um, you know, I, I had the game winning tip in against Maryland in the 1980, uh, ACC tournament final. Um, and then I, I made two free throws, our first ACC tournament game. And as of my sophomore year, I run to the final four that, uh, that won the game for us. And, you know, so I, you know, I would say those two, um, and you know, those two in college and, and that one in the pros were, you know, I never had anything, you know, overly dramatic, but as far as the team was concerned, those were the most important. The 86 Celtics, I, they went 67 and 15. They were the NBA champions. Yep. You, you dropped 40 on them? Yeah, and well, Walker, I also had 23 rebounds. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a monster Don't game. Don't forget that. That's a monster yeah, well, game. That, I, yeah, the, the, all the planets were aligned that night for some reason. And, uh, you know, I, and somebody on YouTube actually put together a a highlight of every point I scored in that game. So if you if you Google that or if you go on YouTube and look that up, you can you can see the buckets. But you know, against Parrish and and um, Walton and McHale, um, I you know I, I took a lot of pride individually in that game. Wow, dropping forty and twenty against the eighty six Celtics—that is a hell of a dismount to this interview with one Mike Jeminski <laughs> here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Mike, it's so much fun to catch up with you once again. Let's do it again soon. 
Sounds good, Walker. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Always a joy to talk to that guy, especially about the history of basketball, ACC, NBA. It absolutely does not matter. We appreciate it. We'll put that interview on our website, WFNZ.com. When we come back from break, we'll talk about the passing of Jerry Richardson, the previous owner of the Carolina Panthers, and the legacy that was his. It's up next on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Again, really appreciate Mike Jeminski joining us, putting that interview on our website. Once again, WFNZ.com. Trying to give his best guess as to who wins ACC Player of the Year. The ACC as a whole, trying to figure that all out in college basketball this season, what is a weird season in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I did mention before we brought Mike Jeminski on, that the former owner of the Carolina Panthers, Jerry Richardson, the man who did fight to bring this city an NFL franchise, he did reportedly pass away overnight. The Carolina Panthers released a statement about 35 minutes ago, and they said, we are saddened to hear about the passing of former owner Jerry Richardson. And I'll read the statement from the Teppers once again, which they posted immediately after the initial post. Here's what they said, quote, Jerry Richardson's contributions to professional football in the Carolinas are historic. With the arrival of the Panthers in 1995, he changed the landscape of sports in the region and gave the NFL fans uh, a team to call their own. He would also discuss how he was incredibly gracious to them, the Teppers, when David Tepper and his wife Nicole purchased the team. And for that, they are thankful. There's no doubt that this is a really complicated legacy to discuss. And we're not going to shy away from a topic. But it's extremely difficult to discuss Jerry Richardson's topic in the way and his legacy in the way that he did bring this city something that might be more important to them outside of their families and their friends, which is an NFL franchise. We have a team here in the city of Charlotte to call our own because Jerry Richardson did fight in 1987. Richardson began the process of building a football team here in July of 1987. When he met with former Bank of America CEO and Charlotte icon Hugh McCall to discuss his dream of bringing the sport to this home state. And Darren Gant wrote a very long piece on Panthers.com, which is where I'm getting some of this information. And a lot of this we just already know is fact. Charlotte had already brought the Charlotte Hornets 
to the equation in 1988. So we did have some professional sports franchise here in the Queen City, but that's also when they struggled to form this identity and Jerry Richardson eventually was granted the organization in October of 1993. So it was a long process to get the Carolina Panthers here. And my mom talks about the story when she was here in Charlotte, they held the parade once they awarded the franchise and everybody was over the moon excited because expansion happened in this city. And so many people, it's what dominates our conversations constantly on Wesson Walker, Kyle Bailey show, Mac and bone WFNZ. And what is also not lost on the legacy, just a matter of fact, that also happened with Jerry Richardson in December of 2017. He sold the team and opened to so, uh, was open to selling the team amid allegations in the workplace of sexual misconduct and also a racial slur that was also directed towards one of the scout members of this Carolina Panthers team. And that was all released in the Sports Illustrated article that dropped out of nowhere I believe during the Green Bay Packers game as that was going on. And Jerry Richardson soon after that decided that he would be selling the team. Eventually the Teppers would take over. It's a complicated legacy here to discuss Wes, and it did not end on a good note. And Jerry Richardson did pass away at the age of 86 in one that is going to be an interesting one to talk about as time goes on. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you kind of liken it to a bit when, uh, when Kobe passed away. And a lot of people, you know, they love what he did on the court and loved him as a player. But then he had some things in his past that made it complicated for people to talk about that. And so it's the same way if you want to hold him in reverence for what he did as far as uh, bringing a team here and the impact that he had on sports in this town and, and bringing the team that everybody loves. The main reason people tune into this station, the Carolina Panthers, that is one thing, but you can't ignore uh, the things that came out in that Sports Illustrated article. They were explosive and, and unsavory to say the least. And so, uh, you know, it makes you feel a type of way about it. And so it's hard because in death, people are always held in high reverence uh, when they pass away and people tend to not to like to bring up the bad things um, about people when they pass away, but it's a part of their legacy for better or for worse. Right. And and people can text in and tell us your feelings on this. 704-570-9610. Feel free to write in what your feelings are on Jerry Richardson and the passing because he does hold an important part of bringing the city of Charlotte, the NFL franchise that are the Carolina Panthers. And I think the Carolina Panthers are the most loved franchise in maybe all of North Carolina. And I know Carolina basketball has reigned supreme. I know that we've talked about the legacy of the ACC and how mm-hmm. important that is. But it's just interesting where you can find Carolina Panthers talk either here in the city of Charlotte. You can find it on the easternmost part of the state, right? Carolina, even in South Carolina, where the goal is to represent both North and South Carolina, even being here in Charlotte. It is something that is extremely important to a lot of the sports fans. And so people kind of writing in just discussing some of their feelings. And so it'll be interesting to see what the listenership is on this 704-570-9610. Feel free. But when, when this statement, when not the statement, excuse me, when this team came about, I mean, is that the biggest sports moment? In the city of Charlotte, just the existence, the ability to bring an NFL team. It was the 29th team at the time that has since been expanded to a league of 32. But Carolina, it it goes to show you just how 
it's not a long history. 1995 is when the first season started, and they started to get this NFL franchise. The process began in 1987. It's as important as anything we've we've seen in the city as far as even the economy and just how much we care about sports in this town. Um, Man, that's a tough question. I mean, it was fantastic to get an NFL team, but for my money, I would go with when they got the Hornets simply because they were first in 1988, them being the first professional franchise here in this city and uh in this state so I, I believe i would go with the hornets but i mean to me they were both equally seismic well and especially with the way that football dominates the entire nation especially with the national football league being a culture not even just a favorite sport right mm-hmm. like as much as i love basketball it's what dominated my family we all recognize just how much the nfl reigns supreme And that's what's so awesome about having one here in Charlotte and Jerry Richardson fought tooth and nail to bring that organization here. And eventually again, like I do not want to overlook any of the fact that caused him to sell the team. The fact that he did sell it in 2017 because of the allegations that were released in a Sports Illustrated article. So, you know, that that is something that is also an important part of Jerry Richardson and uh, his legacy here in the city of Charlotte. Again, you can feel free to text in your thoughts and comments, 704-570-9610. And so as we kind of look at this organization right now, you know, when you look at just where they are compared to the rest of the NFL, I thought it was always interesting the fact that he did kind of have this angle of being an NFL player too. I mean, it's it's an interesting career growing up, right? Like Jerry Richardson was not somebody that – you know, was just, oh, okay, I'm a hedge fund manager, which is the case of David Tepper, and then he could buy the organization all on his own because he's so crazy rich doing something else. This dude actually was a player. He roomed with Johnny Unitas when he was playing with the Colts. He played at Wofford, which is now, you know, even still the training camp host of the Carolina Panthers, and they've been going down there every single year. And so to even have that unique background, very rare. I mean, is it unique? I can't think of another guy in ownership that played in the NFL as far as, you know, him building pretty much his entire wealth on his own and growing up. Right. Like yeah. that, that's the unique story about Jerry Rich, uh, Richardson too. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of, of things about him that were very admirable, especially in those respects. And just the fact of the love that he had for the state that he wanted to bring uh, that here. So, I mean, it was just, you know, he definitely did some cool things. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, Brian wrote into the text line, I can be thankful for him bringing professional football to the Carolinas while also acknowledging the distasteful conduct and hypocrisy and his dealings with the lockout as well. And um trying to look at some of these uh, other text, message, uh, text messages. He was a good man who made mistakes like the rest of the world. He brought us an NFL franchise, which many of us love so much. So rest in peace, Big Cat. I'm also interested to see some of the other statements that could be released. Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera caught a lot of flack when he and the team put their hands in and said, you know, Mr. Richardson in a cheer after he sold the team. Marty Herney, a longtime member of the Carolina Panthers, now working for the Washington Commanders franchise. I wonder just the kind of statements that we'll hear, if at all, from one Marty Herney, one from Ron Rivera, other figureheads in the league, maybe other owners out there, and just how respected he is within closed doors and just within NFL circles, right? Like Because this is really difficult to try to evaluate and how to discuss it, I just wonder what the NFL owners are also going to do as this news is released. And even, you know, 
do national media outlets just say the news and then move on, right? Because even with Carolina mattering, of course, so much to the city of Charlotte and the state of North Carolina, you know, I wonder just how much it would matter to national media outlets. Like how much is ESPN going to be talking about this? How much, you know, even how much are the local TV outlets going to be discussing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're in the opinion business. This is what we do. So how much are we going to have that discussion just when we go and and click on, you know, WBTV, NBC, CBS, whatever? Like, that's what I'm also interested in seeing as the day and as the week goes on. Yeah. And I mean, just looking up, you know, some of the the highlights and and lowlights from his career, you know, I I forgot about the the whole Cam Newton thing before or once they drafted him uh, about the tattoos and the piercings. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Yep. Yep. Uh, so different things like that, the, the discrimination suits against the restaurants that he owned. So, I mean, again, that, that, that's all you can say is just what a complicated legacy. Some people will choose to look past it, uh, like the one texter did, but I think he, you know, there's a lot there to just be like, oh, he made mistakes like the rest of us. Um, you know, everybody does makes mistake makes mistakes and that is true uh but but there's a lot there especially when you're a public figure and a lot is asked of you and you're the (laughs) owner of teams and a celebrity in this town well the other thing that's interesting in the tepper statement the last half of this quote he was incredibly gracious to me when i purchased the team and for that i am thankful look man it's tough for them you're not going to release a statement that harps, especially if it's a statement and you're not having this long form media outlet to discuss the nuances that is Jerry Richardson's legacy. But that was not exactly the most smooth of baton passing <laughs> we've ever seen. This is also the man that did have used to past tense, have a statue outside of bank of America stadium, holding the football with the two Panthers on each side. And David Tepper down. dropped a bomb on us when he discussed how he was contractually obligated to keep that statue up outside of Bank of America Stadium. And then at some point, what seemed to be a loophole where everybody, I remember a bunch of media analysts or, or just sports analysts, right? Writers, media members. Oh, the statue's coming down today. Like this was not some, okay, we'll schedule it out for a couple of weeks. There was a loophole, seemingly so, that David Tepper used because he called it a safety hazard. <laughs> And then that was something that allowed them to remove the statue. And then also, you know, you have this in the statement. And I'm not, by the way, faulting the Teppers at all for saying this. There's nothing problematic with their statement here. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, I have zero clue unless you really wanted them to include it. But I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to include in the statement for social media to really break the news that they're going to reference the Sports Illustrated article that forced Jerry Richardson to sell the team. So this is not Tepper criticism. It's just interesting with the second half here. Like we know how it all went down when we did see that transition from Jerry Richardson to David Tepper and the Tepper family. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you do if you are them, you know, when you're in that position to make a statement, because as you said, they're not going to come out and say, you know, anything that's going to be uh, for lack of a better term, they're not going to say anything spicy against it. This is just a time. I think they're going to try to, you know, just get past it and, and move on. But uh, the the statue and, and everything that went with it, man, I mean, I, I don't know that, you know, we've had a passing, as we talked about when we first heard it, a passing that's as complicated as this one. Well, and, and look, man, Colin came in here and we were discussing it a little bit off air. You know, we, we've had a couple textures say, whew, 
it's complicated to talk about. And you're right, but this is why we get paid. Yeah. Colin came in here and he said, you know, look, you can't you can't throw away the contributions that he made to the city of Charlotte and no one's denying that. And then he also brought up Charlotte 49er football mm-hmm. and his role that he played in allowing Charlotte to have a college football team that started in 2013. They still to this day play at Jerry Richardson Stadium. But I think the best synopsis of a complicated legacy is the fact that nobody calls it that anymore, even there. Yeah, It's Jerry Richardson Stadium. It says it. You can see it plain as day. But when you reference it, not many people call it that. Even from people that work for the team. Even people that go and cover the team extensively. Not a ton of people. And if they do, fine. But certainly not at the precedent or not at the rate, I should say, that they did before 2017. And it took them a minute to take that off, right? No, I'm saying it's still there. Oh, that's right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That that's that is that is the synopsis to me that perfectly exemplifies what we're discussing, right? Yeah. It is the fact that it's still called Jerry Richardson Stadium and not a whole lot of people call it that. I'm not saying nobody, right? Before anybody comes, oh, I still call it that. Fine, you do you. But I'm just telling you as far as a media standpoint, from that from that standpoint, yeah, a lot of times you'll you'll shy away from calling it that. It's Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. We will go to the last fitty flash of the day, and then to come, it's on this day in sports history. We'll also look at what's on tap. Fitty, what you got for us to end us uh, here today? Well, not a whole lot. Anytime you have the well, I feel like I'm going to go to the well and it's going to be dry. That's what it feels like when I throw it to you and you say, well, I don't really have anything. Is that correct? I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go, but I'll just update you with a college basketball result that ties in with the state. App State season did come to an end. They lost 68-61. to Uh, So no March Madness run or appearance for them for Dustin Kearns and that program. But the fact that that might be might be viewed as a disappointing season now for that program up there in the mountains. Just goes to show you how far he's he, he's brought that program. Because when when I grew up, we scheduled them so we could get that hundred point special at Bojangles the next day because we were going to kick that ass. And, and now he's <laughs> built them into a nice, respectable program before he'll be on somewhere we'd believe in the Power Five. The second year at App State, they reached the NCAA tournament. They were the conference tournament champion and how they got to the big dance at a 17-12 and 12 record. Since then, 19-15, and 16-15, and 15, the two next seasons. So probably not the growth that you would like to see with that basketball program. I think you expected 20 wins, especially after they reached the NCAA tournament. But we'll see what is on the horizon for App State basketball. We have one more segment to go. Coming up next, Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
One more segment to go on Wesson Walker, all on Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us for these three hours. We're about to hand it off to Kyle Bailey. Starting off, not this time with Scott Fitterer, but did speak with Scott Fitterer yesterday to begin the show. So pretty impressive there. Uh, Scott Fitterer, also Frank Reich, speaking yesterday at the Combine in Indianapolis. And so because having Mike Jaminski on, because of the news of former Carolina Panthers owner Jerry Richardson passing away, we didn't really get to dive into a lot of what was said regarding Panthers team needs, what they could be possibly doing at quarterback. We did in the second segment that will be released on our socials at Wesson Walker at WFNZ and WFNZ.com. Just click on the Wesson Walker tab. And so you can go back and listen to some of those thoughts, but we are going to, um, you know, talk about that a little bit tomorrow. And uh, the needs thing is interesting to me because QB is still there, but he also got specific at linebacker when Scott Fitterer said, we need a fast linebacker. And then he also said, Jeremy Chin, depending on what happens with him, whether we play him up in the box or whether we have him in the defensive backfield, safety might be on that list. I just usually you hear positions because coaches are too afraid to give anything away or even GMs. But Scott Fitter kind of being a little descriptive as far as not only some positions they need, but even the type of said position that they need. Yeah. And so the thing you when you look at what he said about Chin and he was saying, well, depending on how they use him and then saying they could use another safety, that could be interesting because uh, you wonder would they perhaps be interested in moving Chin to linebacker or um, just a lot there? So it just depends. But, yeah, I thought he was very specific there when he talked about Chin and how they use him, which lends itself to them probably trying to get him back into the type of role he had uh, when he was a rookie when you guys thought he was Troy Palomalo Jr. Jeremy Chin? Mm-hmm. But not you, though. You came in and set the record straight. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Chin is no longer Troy Polamalu Jr. He was, I mean, he was awesome though. Like I, I understand. He made he, plays for sure. I'm not going to deny that. He made plays as rookie. Year. Well, and I, I think that's the difference. And I don't know how many people disagree, disagree with your assessment of him now. He's underwhelmed the last two years. I, I think most people are on board with that, but the mm-hmm. guy, it's not like the fans were voting. He got second place in defensive rookie of the year voting. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't us, you know, it was, it was the NFL media. Yeah. It was, anybody that was evaluating football with a position of authority. Like that was, it was them telling us and we saw it on the field for sure. And it just hasn't been that way the last couple of years where the only person he lost to was chase young. What's also, you know, important about that factor is the fact that safety has been a team where they've kind of bargain been shopped for this entire franchise's history. Kurt Coleman, big time safety acquisition, but they bargain been shopped for him. And he was a big part of them actually getting to the Super Bowl. There just hasn't been a whole lot of investing high in the draft for that safety spot. Jeremy Chin was a second round pick. So that felt as high of an investment that they would make. You know, first round pick, you're not spending on a safety this year. There isn't that type of prospect as far as I know. And Carolina has other things they need to take care of. But they're not even going to spend big on the free agent market. Like they just haven't taken care of that position in an all pro or even pro bowl type of way. And that's, that continues to be the reason why you have so much turnover at that position. Yeah, man. I, I agree with you, man, because you look at a guy like Jesse Bates, that's out there. I think he would be great wake Forest guy, but again, the Panthers, the Panthers aren't going to be willing to go out and spend the type of money it could take to go out and get him. Maybe they address it in the draft, but you know, we'll see. All right, let's go to what's on tap. 
And I want to go to Fiddy because I know you're going to be watching some college basketball tonight. It is what you live and breathe. You do have some ranked opponents um, going at it tonight. Number one, Houston. They're playing Wichita State. UCLA in action. Purdue as well. They've been sliding here recently. What game has your attention the most with you being such a college basketball fan? Uh, there's a triple header on ESPN, and all three games impact Carolina's bubble watch at seven, Michigan at Illinois. At 9, Arizona State at UCLA. And at 11, Arizona does visit USC. So I'm going to be watching all three of these games. It's going to be a late <laughs> night, man. But I'm so excited. I love this time of the year. Well, I hope all the teams that need to win for Carolina not to get in win. So yep. go whoever, insert team. I just um, can't wait till y'all make the NIT and lose to some that's okay. you know, mid-major program like y'all always do. Ooh, I mean, doesn't bother me. But but I do have I'm a question. I'm used to it. I have a question, though. <laughs> Arizona, USC. That game starts at 11 p.m. Eastern? Yeah. That's why you got burrito in your mustache. What's that got to do with my team actually being a good athletic <laughs> Wait, player? Hold on. I'm being hold petty. On. Hold on. I think you do. <laughs> you just I just licked it. I knew I was going to get you going over there. You like, you like seeing that spot more, don't you? You did get it. You got something in your flavor saver over there. A little burrito. Is that a burrito? What are you eating yeah, right I'm now? I'm having a burrito. I was about to eat a, put a chip in my mouth, and you were like, let's go to Fitty for what's on tap, <laughs> which you have never done. In the six plus months, I we've think done you should try to do tap. that once. Well, I usually show. do it when he's eating, <laughs> but I don't know if that's true that I've never gone to you for what's on tap. But I also gave you more time by talking about <laughs> college basketball, having a bunch of ranked opponents, and yet you still ended up with burrito on the side of your lip. Yo, I want you to do that at least once a show, right when he's getting ready to put it in his mouth. I want you to go to take so I can see him yep, reject food, it. Food in his mouth, 100%. Yeah. If there's nothing else that we can make out of that statement, as soon as he's about to put food in his mouth, that's when I will go to. I used to do it a lot more, and then I feel like you haven't been eating as much during the show. I'm on a diet. You still Are you really? Yeah. Tell right. us that. I'm just not eating during the show. I love that diet with burritos and wings and chicken sandwiches from Bossy Beulahs. You can live this life, Wes, baby. Just come on over. I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know if there was some kind of calorie counting going on, though. Like, well, after this gas station burrito, I top out at about like (laughs) 1,700 calories and then the soda. That's my limit for the day. I didn't know if you were fasting except for the gas station burrito. Did you have any problem, by the way, with this fire fizzles on some of those slurp? All of them were fire. Yeah, we never finished. Would you have two more? Would you would you give the burrito a fire that was gonna be fizzle man because gas station burritos can be bad for business you could be stopping at a convenience store down the road to handle some more business if you eat a gas station burrito i agree burritos at the gas station plus it's hit or miss oh yeah well especially i feel like a lot of them are cold in the middle you know i feel like those are you got to put them in a microwave and all that but Mm. chicken I was I, I can't believe i forgot about that and i was going to blow a gasket on the fire for that one yeah because I love it. Lots of fire, though. Slurpees, pizza, taquitos from QT. Hot dogs. All of that's fire, right, Fiddy? All of that's fire? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, 100%. Yeah, you still have a burrito on your mouth. All right, that'll... Do I really? <laughs> I, I thought I got it off. I don't give a damn. No, I wear it's okay. it with pride. Okay, no, it, it can also help you You got it us. off. It's off. No, thank you, Big You can let that uh, burrito help you tell us about what happened on this day in sports history. What you got, Fiddy? All right, guys, we go back 1921. We've been talking a lot about college basketball tournaments. Well, back in 1921, Kentucky beat Georgia 20-19 in the Southern Intercollegiate Men's Basketball Championship game in Atlanta. It was the, it was the first championship game of the first uh, tournament in college basketball history. On this day in 1962, Wilt Chamberlain scored a record 100 points against 
the Knicks to lead the Warriors to a 169-147 win in Hershey, Pennsylvania. He scored 59 points in the first half and scored 28 points of his record 100 in from the foul line. Do we believe this actually happened? Because there is a conspiracy theory that this did not happen at all because there was no one there in attendance to record what he did on the actual basketball court. It, it was my favorite conspiracy theory posed when we were having that conversation. That was my favorite one because there was no footage and it was like, hey, let's document this moment. Let's get this piece of cardboard and write 100 on it. All right, there it is. It happened. That's my favorite one. And the last one before we move on. And then on this day in 1991, Chris Corciani, remember Great that name. fire and ice tandem for NC State, became the first player in NCAA history with 1,000 assist in his career he achieved this milestone though in an 89-84 defeat to the mighty wake forest demon deacons that's right that's why i like that we end on Hang Chris a banner corciani <laughs> what, a great, what a great fact and on this day in sports history it's kyle bailey it's smoke ludwig they're coming up next sports radio 92.7 wfnz